following program is paid programming. The views expressed on the following program are those of its hosts and participants, and nowhere reflect those of the ownership, staff, or advertisers of WNRI. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show. Ready to get ready now, go Signing my name all over the place I'll do anything that you want to do But I'm uh-uh, a honey, lay off my shoes Don't you Devil my blue gray shoes Well, you can do anything Lay off my blue gray Once again, the Dunn's Deal. This is a place where I do the dealing, and I deal them fairly. And boy, oh boy, <laughs> the best laid plans of mice and men oft go astray. Or aft gang of glee, as a friend of mine used to say. Robbie Burns. Yeah, so <laughs> I had all sorts of things planned for the show tonight, and... They've changed so many times throughout this day, and especially in the last couple of minutes. So, yeah, we're going to talk about the gorilla in the room. And, yeah, we're going to talk about these uh, strikes here. And it looks like in Iraq, Syria, Yemen. And one thing I want to mention that's curious about this, besides for the fact that... that Biden and the administration has been talking about this for days. And this is in retaliation to strikes against our assets, our ships, last Sunday. And uh, this is Friday now. Four o'clock, I guess, is when this, four o'clock Eastern time, when the uh, attack started. Just after the stock markets closed. Hmm. And we were telegraphing what we were going to do all week long. Uh, why? I mean, this that allowed the Houthis or the Iraqis or the Syrians, whomever, to move their important stuff, move their people out of the way. I don't know. And the markets were told about this. I've got my financial guru, Gregory Manorino, uh, who believes that we're going to be in a full-fledged war soon to help prop up the markets and the Fed. But um, there's a curious thing about how this was done. Like as if it was slow-walked, so there'd be no shock about it, either to the American population or to the stock markets. I don't know. But before I get into all that sort of stuff, I've still got to do my intro. Joe Biden is not the president. He is not the commander in chief. He is a thief in chief and somebody else is calling the shots tonight. He is the pretender to the throne, always looking for his crown. 
He is a cellar dweller living with the rats and moles. He is the king of crappers. Who will change his diapers? He is your highness of hair sniffers. Keep him away from your daughters. He is the boss of bribery. He knows how to hide the money. He is the founder of Brandon Falls. Everywhere he goes. He is Dementia Don, wandering around aimlessly. And last but not least, and most important tonight, he is the leader of the warmongers. A finer, more gallant warrior has never been. Move over, Patton. Move over, Chesty Puller. Move over, Ulysses S. Grant. Oops, he's down again. Help him up. Get him a walker. And it looks like he's going to preside over the Iranian war. Hmm. Isn't this very interesting? Oh, by the way, hold your calls until 6.30. Let me get through these things. Because <laughs> I don't know where to start now. Mm, U.S. hints at large response to Iran-backed militias is imminent as Houthi rebels target another ship. Okay, well, the response has come. And um, it kind of remains to be seen how extensive it is. Are we really going to do damage to them? I mean, I'm sure they have some hard assets there, some headquarters and, and things. But the, the leaders of, of uh, you know, Iraq or of Syria, of the Houthis, what do they call the Iraqi group? The Iraqi response. Um, I lost that somewhere in here. It wasn't the uh, Revolutionary Guard. That's in Iran. But... The leadership probably all left town, or they're deep underground, as is are their assets. And the missiles they're firing off, and I guess even the drones can be launched mobily. <laughs> so in other words, they get launched from one site... And an hour later, they're gone. By the time the United States respond, even if we, we responded right away, uh, chances are that they would shoot and run, shoot and run, shoot and run. Because it'd be stupid for them to, to shoot and have, you know, have their guns in concrete embankments. Because then we would obliterate them. We would take them out. We've had plenty of practice at that. We've been doing that since World War II. So what these Houthis have and what the Iraqis probably have are mobile launchers. <laughs> and if you can move it after just shooting it, well, then, of course, they're no longer going to be there three or four days or almost a week later. So, I doubt that this attack is really going to do a lot of damage to uh, the forces that are arrayed against us. And by the way, 
I do not support this action at all. I do not support this coming war with Iran. Let me say it now before you call up and call me unpatriotic or a coward or a traitor. I do not support this war. I never have. And what we really need to do is take a good look at what started this this war. And that was Israel's response to the October 7th attack. Which I dare say Israel had fair warning of before it happened because they've, they've got Mossad. Mossad is one of the best spy agencies in the world. Their whole border is electronically watched and surveilled. There's no way they didn't know that somebody was approaching the border. There was no way they didn't know that someone had breached the border. And it took, what, four hours before there was an Israeli response? It should have been four minutes. Israel wants Gaza. It, and Israel is carrying on a genocide against Gaza. Right now they want to drive the Gazans completely out of Gaza. They want to destroy what's there so they can get the oil. They, they can get the beachfront property. And they also want to extend a canal through Gaza into um, uh, into the Mediterranean. It's, uh, it, there's two branches of the, of the Red Sea. One goes up to the Suez Canal and one kind of dead ends uh, like two ears. One dead ends south of, of Israel. But if Gaza were empty, they could build a canal. They could dig a canal through Gaza to the, uh, the right branch of, of the top of the Red Sea. And they could have a canal that would, um, uh, it would it would generate money. It would it would challenge the Suez. It would uh, compete against the Suez Canal for traffic, you know, for shipping, and it, it would make Israel much richer, and it would make Israel more important as as a gateway. To the Indian Ocean. Right now, Israel, now you could take land routes to get over to the Indian Ocean. I'm sure uh, there's still some of the old trade, uh, spice trade routes, but all the shipping goes through the Suez Canal. Or right now, it's going around the Cape of Good Hope down the base of, of Africa. But this is an important article I want to want to read good parts of here. It says, hundreds of thousands trapped near Gaza border with uh, Israeli forces closing in. Rafa was our final refuge. Now, if you check on a map, Rafa is a small town right up against the, the Egyptian border uh, in southern Gaza. And uh, Israel had said, go to Rafa, go to Rafa. That's a safe place. You'll, you'll be safe there. We won't attack you there. So everybody go to Rafa. Well, now Israel's attacking Rafa. Uh, 
Supposedly there were like two and a half million people in all of Gaza. And somehow they're down in this tiny little town of, of Rafa. And man, oh man, if Israel is attacking Rafa and they've been driving the, the Palestinians south, they drove them out of the northern part of, of, of Gaza. They drove them out of the middle part of Gaza. They drove them down into this small town on the uh, border with, uh, with Egypt. And this town has, there's, a, uh, there's an opening in the border there where they're bringing in supplies from Egypt. They're bringing in food, water, medicine, all that sort of stuff. So obviously there's already, you know, a border crossing there in Rafa. And I'm going to be real cynical here. I am saying that Israel wants to push the Palestinians into Egypt through Rafa, through the border crossing there, so they can drive all the Palestinians out of Gaza. And we are being attacked because we are backing Israel in this this war against uh, the Palestinians in Gaza. This is the start of why that's why our ships are there in the first place as sitting ducks out in the Red Sea or the Indian Ocean or in the Mediterranean, wherever they're stationed at. And we're we're taking incoming now. Fortunately, there's only been a total of five Americans who have died. Quite a few have um, been injured, but it's still less than 100 casualties. So it's low so far. But we are there because of the attack on October 7th and Israel's response to it, which has been overkill. Let me get into this article. <laughs> All I did was read the uh, headline. <clears throat> As Israel says its forces will push on towards the last city in the southern border of Gaza, the hundreds of thousands of Palestinians who have taken refuge in Rafa fear an assault that will leave them with nowhere to turn except into Egypt, which it doesn't want the Palestinians either. They do not want to deal with all these refugees, and they don't <laughs> want to deal with a force that wants to go to war with Israel to get the land back. Rafa has seen its population skyrocket in the past four years, with Gazan residents fleeing as far south as they can to escape wars, uh, Israel's war on Hamas. Many are sleeping in tents, makeshift shelters, s- schools, and mosques. Early on in the war, it was designated as a safe zone by the Israeli military, but has been hit by Israeli airstrikes on multiple occasions. We came here based on what what the Israelis said, that it is a safe place, Mohammed al-Jara, 53, told the Independent. By the way, this is a story from the Independent out of the UK. And now they are threatening us again. Of course we are afraid. 
Al Jarrah, like many in Rafa, went through an arduous journey to reach the town after fleeing his hometown in Gaza City in the north of the besieged territory. He first moved to the southern city of Khan Yunus before being pushed south into Rafa. He and his wife have taken shelter in a mosque, which has become a shared home with many other families. We thought Rafa was our final refuge, said Abdul Hakim Abu Dagan, uh, 33. But I think the army will enter Rafa just as it in, uh, invaded every other part of Gaza. There is no safe place here. Okay, there's about 27,000 people who have been killed in this four-month conflict. And, um, you know, about 15,000 of them are, are children. Dagan and his family have uh, spent the past few months living in tents and are now dealing with unbearable cold as winter temperatures in Gaza have dropped below 10 degrees Celsius, about 40 degrees Fahrenheit. And, if, of course, if you're not used to cold weather, uh, that would be frigid if, if you're used to living in temperate uh, areas. Let's see, there's been heavy rain and stuff. During a visit to the southern city of Khan Yunus on Thursday, the Israeli defense minister, Yavo Galant, told a group of soldiers that the city's Hamas brigade had been dismantled and that the same will happen in Rafah. Did you get that? The same will happen in Rafah. Uh, I've got another article here somewhere. Or I, I don't know if I brought it with me tonight, but I was looking at it uh, doing show prep before. And... There's a group of, of Israelis. They had occupied Gaza once before. Uh, and, and I guess 10 or 15 years ago, they were forced out of Gaza. You know, the, the government forced them out. I guess there was some kind of agreement with the Palestinians, and they gave Gaza back. Oh, here we go. Israeli ministers joined gathering calling for the resettlement of Gaza. Several members of the Israeli government joined a far-right conference calling for the resettlement of the Gaza Strip and occupied West Bank. The conference, organized by the right-wing Nahala organization on Sunday night and dubbed Settlement Brings Security and Victory called for new Jewish settlements to be built in the Palestinian territories. The call of the politicians and activists gathering in occupied East Jerusalem came amid international pressure on Israeli to conform it, um, conform that it would respect Palestinian statehood after its war on Gaza ends. What do you think the possibility of that's going to be? Oh, here's the thing about them withdrawing. Israel withdrew its troops and military settlers from the Gaza Strip in 2005 after a 38-year occupation. Debate is ongoing over who will run the enclave following the end of the war that started on October 7th with the Hamas attacks on Israel. Oh, this is Brenda... 
Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has said Israel does not intend to maintain a permanent presence again, but insists that Israel will maintain security control for an indefinite period of what, 50 years, 100 years, 200 years? Um, <laughs> we're getting pulled into a Middle East war. And it's going to be a war with Iran at some point in time because we, we know that Iran is funding the uh, the troops in in Iraq, in Syria, and in Yemen. But we wouldn't be there for if it wasn't for the attacks by Hamas on Israel, which Israel allowed to take place so they can capture the Gaza Strip. It's it's incredible. I mean, <laughs> who's stopping Israel right now? Yeah, I've got article after article with people all over the world wagging their finger. Oh, this isn't right. Oh, this is genocide. Oh, <laughs> you, you, you're looking like a bunch of fascists, which they are. Oh, you're getting everyone mad at you. Um, and they are. <laughs> this is the worst PR move ever. And if Israel can't take control of Gaza, um, <laughs> if they somehow get pushed out, and I don't see how, who's going to push them out? Egypt doesn't want to take on Israel right now. Iran's not getting into the battle because if Iran gets in, then the United States gets in. But Iran is getting in through, through the proxy fighters. But there's a plausible deniability there. So, this is crazy, people. We're going to be in a full-blown uh, Middle East war not too long from now. Because Joe Biden needs it in order to stay in power. The Federal Reserve needs it because the American dollar is kaput. It's done. <laughs> There's no, nothing liquid behind it anymore. We've lost 98% of our purchasing power since the Federal Reserve started over 100 years ago. And the Fed needs to put more liquidity into the dollar. To do that, they've got to print more dollars. Now, that's not really liquidity. It's the, the illusion of liquidity. But a war is the greatest opportunity to have the excuse to print more money, print more money, borrow it from the future, borrow from the future, because there's a war on. We've got to win this war. We can't back down. Oh, and one other aspect about this war, Iran has joined up with the BRICS nations. That Brazil, um, yeah, Brazil, Russia, India, China, 
South Africa, and about 20 other countries that are dumping the American dollar, they're dumping the petrodollar. And one of the reasons why the federal government, why the Fed needs this war is to force Iran back into the, the dollar, back into the petrodollar, to force all of these BRICS nations back into the petrodollar. Very convoluted, very, very intricate, and it's not as simple as it looks. It's not just that we are attacking the Houthi rebels because they attacked us. It's not that that we want to hurt Iran's proxy armies because they hurt us. (laughs) There's a lot behind this. There's land, oil. Um, huge money for for Israel. There's the propping up, the saving of the American dollar for for the Fed and for America. Oh, brother! And what are we, what are we going to get out of it? Massive inflation, dead American soldiers coming back after the Houthis get lucky once or twice. Um. Yeah, it's it's a mess, people. It's a real mess. And um, remember what the first thing that Mike Johnson did when he became Speaker of the House of Representatives, the Republican Speaker of the House. He sent money to Israel to prop them up. So <laughs> I don't see this war stopping anytime soon. And it's just going to be a huge mess, and I do not support it. I will never support this war. It's a fiasco from the start. So with that, I'm going to sell my books about war. (laughs) So here we go. The United States of Empire by James Dunn shows how the U.S. became a worldwide empire. It looks at the entry of the U.S. into both world wars. George Washington had warned us about entangling ourselves in European wars. Before World War I, the United States was not concerned with foreign conflicts. In World War I, we changed the balance of power in Europe. We went in to save the world for democracy. We expelled the German Kaiser and imposed our own idea of what Germany should look like. Propaganda painted the Kaiser as the evil Hun that was destroying civilization. So when the true barbarian rose to power, Hitler, how could we avoid being drawn in again? We saved Great Britain. Britain needed us again in World War II to save their bacon. We bought the hog. Now we are the empire. The book, The United States of Empire, in paperback, is available at Amazon.com. Here's author James Dunn to talk about his soon-to-be-printed next book. The King Philip's War in New England in 1675 defined the relations, for good or bad, between English settlers and Native Americans for centuries to come. 
Many of the battles are local to the Blackstone Providence area with long forgotten memorials and grave sites. Smithfield was the Battle of Nipsichuk. The Battle of Sudbury in Sudbury, Mass. was a turning point. Mount Hope in Bristol, Rhode Island was the home of King Philip and the Wampanoag tribe. The Connecticut River Valley was a scene of many bloody encounters between the English and the Nipmuc tribe. South Kingston, Rhode Island, saw the Great Swamp Battle slash Massacre. One Englishman stands out in this brutal conflict. He dared to learn to fight like the Indians did and won the war for the English. He was Captain Benjamin Church in the book, Captain Benjamin Church and the King Philip's War. Hang on there, caller. I'll be with you in a minute. Hey, are you planning to get an updated COVID-19 vaccine? Hell no. Haven't you heard about Justin Bieber, Bronnie James, uh, journalist Mike Dickinson? He was making fun of Jovic for not getting the uh, shot. Matthew Perry dead at 54. And let's not forget about DeMar Hamlin, huh? Right in front of us on uh, national TV. These people are either dead now or are seriously injured or their careers ruined. Yep, I don't want to get seriously sick. And miss out on spending time with friends and family. So you're not worried about getting myocarditis or pericarditis? <laughs> you're not afraid of getting seriously injured from the vaccine itself, which is proven not to be safe or effective? Does it cost a lot? I don't have insurance. It doesn't cost you anything if you don't get it. If you don't have health insurance, or if your insurance doesn't cover an updated COVID-19 vaccine, you can get one for free with the Bridge Access Program. Just look for places that participate in Bridge Access on vaccines.gov. Sounds good. Bridge Access on vaccines.gov. A message from CDC. A message from the Center for Disease, Death, and Destruction Creation. CDDDC. Okay, well, welcome back. Be with you shortly, caller. Let me put the numbers out here for anyone else who wants to call. 766 1380 769 600 and out of staters, it's 1-800-949-9674. So let's see what's on the caller's mind. Go ahead, caller. What you thinking about? He doesn't want to talk to himself for, for now. How you doing, Jim? Good, and you? Well, after tonight, reading uh, the story of what's going on now with, uh, with the war going on, you know, bombing Iran and all that. No, we're not, we're not bombing Iran, Greece. not yet. O- only Iraq, well, yet. That, Syria, that, that, Yemen. That'll, yeah, okay. Well, that, well, you know that's coming. You, and, and I sadly agree that it's going to get a lot worse before it gets a lot better. But yeah. you know what's even sadder? We won't even be having these conversations. We will not have these conversations. Hamas would not have invaded Israel. We wouldn't have the Russian-Ukraine conflict. We wouldn't be having what's going on now if Trump were in office. Why? Because everybody knew if you were smart, you don't mess with that guy, okay? Uh, He was that big guy in the neighborhood, and when he walks into your store, you don't mess with him, all right? You do what he says. answer, Answer me this question. Sure. How come China hasn't moved on Taiwan? Well, that's coming too. I I have a feeling they're run, they're running out of time. I don't know. I think they're getting cold well, feet. Well, they better do it soon because Trump <laughs> will be coming back. Hopefully, if people smartened up. Uh, if not, well, you know, guarantee that you know we'll be uh, we'll be hurting for uh, uh, 
processing uh, CPUs because they make a lot of them in Taiwan. Yeah. A lot of your computer components are actually built in Taiwan. So if China gets in there, forget it. Okay, your smartphones, you're, you're, you're going to be spaying $1,000 for a smartphone that used to go for 30 bucks. But, you know, the sad thing is, all of, like I was mentioning, all this didn't really have to happen because Trump, he was the only president that walked across the demilitarized zone and shook Kim Jong-un's hand. Nobody in their right mind would have gone, would have crossed Trump. Everybody, though. Do you remember how, remember how the Saudis treated Trump? They yeah. loved him. Yeah, they, they, nobody, they did that sword no, dance with them. <laughs> the, the, nobody wanted to mess with him because he was a strong president, as we should have. With basement Biden, on the other hand, all he's capable of doing is talking gibberish, eating ice cream, pooping his pants, and going back in his basement. Okay? What, what? And I'm doing and nobody. And let me tell you something. Before, uh, before Biden came into office and Trump was in office, yes. nobody, messed, nobody messed with us, okay? Because their cojones were small. But once Biden got in there, their cojones grew. <laughs> and now they're doing things that they could never do under Trump. Okay? You're seeing it now. The Hamas invading Israel. The uh, uh, Russia with Ukraine. What's going on now in Iran? You know, you know what really makes me sick about basement Biden? What's that? Back in, I think it was 2022. Yes, it was 2022. When they were bringing home some... Dead Marines, thanks to uh, Sleepy Joe from Kabul. Remember that? Yes, and they do. They the, and they were bringing their flag great coffins home, and Joe was standing there with his wife and his hand over his heart. But you know what Sleepy Joe was doing? Looking at his wristwatch. Yep. Like, he didn't care what he was looking at. Now, okay, you got four dead Marines, or four or five or six, whatever, dead Marines coming home. And he made a big hullabaloo. Oh, I'm going to receive them. Yeah, I'm going to give them this. And yeah, vote for me. Da, da, da. He learned the first time, okay, how much of a disrespect he had for those four that came home from the bull, okay? Yep. They're different dead. So, Did he make a show of it already? Did they already bring yeah, the bodies Yeah, he made back? a show of it. I mean, you can hear it all over the news. Oh, Joe Biden is set to receive them. You know, really, I don't care. Presidents should do that. Trump did it all the time. He didn't make a big a big storyline about it. Every soldier that came home that may have died, he was there. Okay? He visited uh, Arlington National Cemetery on his own. Not even telling the Secret Service. He would go to Arlington National Cemetery and take a walk. No other president ever did that. Okay? Because he that's how much respect Trump has. Yes, he does. He, he has respect for the military, our police force, our fire department. You know what? We screwed up. Well, no, we, you and I didn't screw up. But this nation screwed up, letting him in. But letting, there is an Letting the book be stolen. To, well, yeah, it was. It was. But there is kind of an advantage to this now. Let me explain. If Trump was elected for a second <laughs> term, do. he'd be already on the way out the door in November. And then the Democrats would come in and continue with their garbage. However, we've seen four years of garbage with Sleepy Joe. And people hopefully woke up to it, okay? And we'll they they, they right seem to be they, they seem to be the the next couple of articles I want to get into point yeah. that out because oh, okay. now well, now people are feeling you know not the wrath but feeling the results of allowing the steal voting for for uh, Biden whichever way you want to put it. 
Yeah, and so. and look and look what they're doing. I mean, Trump's been in office for almost four years now, and they're still going after him. That that should tell anybody with any sense, any two any two cells of brain matter in your skull, that is definitely election interference going on. They're trying to destroy this man. The state of New York loved the guy up until he was, uh, you know, president. And now all of a sudden they want to sue him. They can pay a lot of fines, tell him to get out. You can't you have Trump Tower anymore. I mean, seriously. And I've said this before on Jeff's show. Trump, you know, if the state of New York expels Trump, there's going to be a hundred <laughs> other big cities in this state, in this country, that's going to welcome him. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be a couple in Texas that will more than have more than happy to have Trump move his golf course, Trump towers, and everything yep, right yep. in there. Hey, in their big did you hear that Snoop Dogg wants to be friends with Trump again? They were friends at no. one time, or friendly. I missed that. What, 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 what Snoop, is Snoop Dogg? Snoop Dogg. They used to be friends. They, they cut a commercial together. They were playing golf on his on his oh, yeah, course. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, and so now he wants to be friends again. So you never know. Maybe things change. But I, I want to get into these next two articles because the tide just may be turning. <laughs> All right. Well, let's hope so, Jim. All right. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you later. Thank you very much. Yeah. God You're bless. Have a great now. weekend. Bye now. Okay. <laughs> well, you can file these next uh, two stories in. You voted for it. Um, and I, I don't mean to be spiteful about this, but there is a lot of African-Americans, you know, of course, the whole Democratic Party voted for, um, for Biden. You know, didn't want evil orange man because he was racist, he was homophobic, you know, uh, he was this, he was that. And, you know, Donald Trump wanted to bring jobs back for everybody. Wanted to lift up people's lives. And he never kicked people out of the recreation centers. But I got a story here about Governor Moore Healy. Democratic Governor Moore Healy dumps hundreds of migrants in black community. Says, we really don't have a choice. You could deport them. <laughs> but Democrats in Massachusetts made the decision this week to take over a recreation center in a majority black Boston neighborhood and turn it into a shelter for migrants and the homeless. The Associated Press reported Wednesday that the Cass Recreational Complex in Boston's Roxbury neighborhood will no longer be a haven for area children to gather, and at least for the foreseeable future, <laughs> for forever maybe. That is because Democratic Massachusetts Governor Maura Healey and Boston Mayor Michelle Wu, you voted for them, not me. Of course, I don't live in Massachusetts, but if I did, and I did live outside of Boston for a couple of years, Hated it. Hated the traffic. Anyhow, uh, Maura Healy and Michelle Wu decided to use the center to house up to 400 people, including illegal immigrants. That um, should read, decided to use the center to house up to 400 illegal immigrants. 
what other people are letting in there. Oh, they say homeless elsewhere in the article, but I kind of doubt that that there's homeless veterans that are in there or the um, the homeless bums that were on, yeah, they were bums on the side of the road doing their heroin or fentanyl or methadone, whatever they were shooting up. Just like, you know, what you see in Philadelphia or in San Francisco, just people walking up and down the side of the street, just dazed and confused and just looking for a little bit of money for their next shot, their next hit. Anyhow, the Sanctuary City's Recreation Center is now a short-term hotel that has been outfitted with cuts. Anybody who voted for Sanctuary Cities, this is the result of what you voted for. We're here today because we really don't have a choice. You can deport them. Of course you've got a choice. Put them on a flight back to Nicaragua or wherever. Fly them back to the Darien Gap and tell them, okay, you're walking from here. The Darien Gap is an area right above Columbia where it's a staging area, staging port for uh, the illegals to come north. Anyhow, let me go on with the story. No option, said Healy. Families continue to come into this country, continue to come to Massachusetts, and we have, over the last several months, opened up locations throughout the state. Let's see, the other ones are in Cambridge, Quincy, and Revere. But have they taken taken recreation centers away from the people, the American people, the locals who live there? Or did they just shove them into hotels, which get paid handsomely for taking them in? Let's see. WBZ-TV reported many Roxbury neighborhood residents were up in arms about what their leaders are doing to their community. You voted for them. Are you going to vote them out next time? Are you? Or are you just going to get used to the situation and say, well, I can't vote for the other guy, so I'm going to have to put put them back in. Let's see, and I don't mean just voting for Trump. I mean voting. <laughs> there were people that, that ran against uh, the city council there, but you voted for that city council. Same thing goes on here in in uh, Rhode Island. Any blue state, any blue vicinity, to, you know, if you just keep returning the same old dunces, they're going to be doing the same thing to you. You know, Republicans have the same problem too. Uh, the recidivism rate? <laughs> oh no, that's when you go to go to jail and come back out and do the same crime again. Uh yeah, I think that uh, that works for politicians too. The recidivism rate of politicians being returned to office is in the high nineties. That has got to change, and us. 
especially when they're hurting you. Let's see. So WBZ is uh, reporting. One man told the outlet he does not know where Roxbury kids rely on the recreation center for structure will go or what they will do. One child regularly visits, uh, told WBZ, the center has become a second home to him. Well, you're losing it. Meanwhile, Boston's far-left mayor did not appear to be too concerned with displacing the child and others in the area. Although she did acknowledge Roxbury had previously been a community that had been forced to sacrifice. Forced to sacrifice. Not asked to sacrifice. Forced to sacrifice. So this is Michelle Wu, and she feels your pain. This is not the first time the community has been asked to sacrifice over and over again, Wu said. She added she would keep all options available to help the displaced children, but offered no specifics. Was there a little black child there that she patted on the head and said, Don't worry, little boy. We'll, we'll be there for you. We'll be there to take care of you. Let's see. Track coach Tony Daroka, who uses the center for practice, said, we, we have kids who are also impacted negatively, and our program is one of the only few stable times in their life. Let's see. Roxbury residents will not get the re- recreation center back until at least June when the shelter is expected to close. According to WBZ. Yeah. um, (laughs) That and the Israelis promise not to go into uh, Rafa, too. Mm. Oh, and then there's a New York Post story about the cops that got got beat up by um, seven, uh, at least seven migrants. Migrants. Illegals. See, I'm down to ten minutes. Okay, a few minutes for this. Johan Boda, 22, is in this country illegally. Excuse me. With at least six other migrants, illegals, he allegedly beat up two police officers in Times Square. Five of them were arrested and upon being set free with no bail... A smirking Boda gave the, a double middle finger to media covering his release. So the news media is outside. The kid comes out and flips off the media not once but twice with the, the double middle finger. <sighs> How much respect does this guy have for our laws? This is New York in 2024. This is any big city in 2024. This is Boston in 2024. This is Providence in 2024. This is Philadelphia in 2024. This is L.A., San Francisco, Houston. I don't know about Miami. Some of those towns in uh, Texas, though, some of the cities in Texas are, are blue enclaves. Houston, um, uh, Austin. Austin's a huge blue enclave. 
which is weird because you've got Alex Jones, uh, Joe, um, uh, uh, Joe Rogan uh, out of there. Um, uh, there's a couple other really right-wing uh, talk show hosts. I think Glenn Beck is near Austin. Um, but Austin is deep blue and deeply crazy. Anyhow, uh, back to New York. Asked if Boda should be deported, Governor Hochul took a bold stance. I think that's actually something that should be looked at, she said. <laughs> to be fair, I read another article that, that where she said that he should. But um, this is Mayor Adams talking about this. Mayor Adams similarly called to re-examine laws that prevent deportation. There are laws preventing deportation? <laughs> Let's see. Those migrants who are here because they want to be a part of the American dream, we say yes to that, said Adams. But those who are breaking our laws, we need to re-examine the laws that don't allow us to deport them because they are doing violent acts. We cannot create an atmosphere where you're going to bring violence in our city. Now, wait a minute. Does that mean that New York actually set up laws to prevent you from being deported even if you commit a crime? <laughs> I mean, listen to what he says. Uh, but those who are breaking our laws, we need to re-examine the laws that don't allow us to deport them because they're doing violent acts. So they've got laws on the book that that will not allow them to deport someone that's doing something illegal. And so I read that 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 line there. I mean, if that's the actual case, and I'm sure it is, unless I'm misreading that. And I, I firmly believe that sanctuary cities would be that stupid to protect illegals, even if they did something illegal. Look at San Francisco. You can, you can rob uh, a store, you know, up to $900. You can shoplift up to $900 and you will not be prosecuted for it. And they wonder why, you know, stores... And pharmacies and grocery markets are closing down and leaving their cities. Which reminds me, and I'm glad I remembered this before I went off the air. Because I'm down to five minutes? Yeah, five minutes. Ayanna Presley, representative from, from the Roxbury area, in fact. She went on the floor of Congress today or yesterday... And she was uh, complaining that Walgreens and CVS and I guess grocery stores as well have left her area. And she's saying uh, it's because of racism and just uh, sheer racism and economic racism that they're leaving and that the government should do something about stopping them from leaving. Um, besides for the fact that you voted for it. Ayanna Presley pushed for defunding the cops. She pushed 
for for getting rid of of cops of taking money away from them and you know what like i said i i lived in uh um rent them not rent them um um uh jeez city south of boston not too far down below quincy i remembered it in a minute but anyhow i i drove for stereocycle and we went to CVS's and Walgreens and stuff, and we picked up the the, the old drugs, or the um, you know, the stuff that fell on the floor and they couldn't resell. Anyhow, I was in and out of the Roxbury pharmacies, uh, the Dorchester pharmacies, all the time. And you know who else was there? Police. They would station a police officer inside of the pharmacies or inside of the uh, stopping shops to prevent people from shoplifting. What an idea! But Iona Presley comes, uh, comes along and she gets rid of those extra police that are working inside those stores. So what happens? Shoplifting increases, theft increases and it is no longer profitable for those businesses to stay there they can't stay there yeah cvs walgreens they're 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 billion dollar companies you know with places all over the land but you can't expect that they're just going to absorb loss after loss after loss they are not going to keep open a store that's going to sink them. They're not going to keep open the stores in Roxbury. They're not going to keep the stores open in Dorchester. They're going to close it. And it is Ayanna Presley's fault. It is not racism. It's your stupid actions done in Congress. She needs to be voted out next time around. And if you people send her back, it's on you. It is on you. So anyhow, down to one minute. I didn't even get a chance to to do the uh, Elmo turns radicalized. Elmo goes MAGA. So have a great weekend. Take care now. God bless. Listening to Dunn's Deal with author James Dunn. Join James every Friday at 605 for a unique perspective on today's issues. But for now, this is a Dunn Deal. Only on your voice in the Blackstone Valley. WNRI, Woonsocket.